0: To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss.
1: Coming up on Studos America, Bethany Mandel joins us to tell us how we can get families back on board of the airlines. The Supreme Court makes a big announcement about the Texas abortion law. And don't forget that Santifa Clause is coming to town, probably to burn it down. I mean, it's a cross between Santa Claus and Antifa. He's probably going to burn down your town, but don't worry about that. Get a, a shirt or a mug with 20% off at StuDoesMerch.com. Use the promo code STU20. The left is losing its mind that abortion could go away. So let's do the future of abortion. Stu Does America. Well, sort of a big day today in the Supreme Court. There's so much going on in the court system right now when it comes to life. And one of the big uh, rulings, there's a couple, the two big ones that are going on right now are the Mississippi case and the Texas case. The Texas case is sort of the minor league challenger uh, to the, to the uh, Mississippi one. The Mississippi case, we talked about that this week with the woman, the woman who authored it. Uh, as far as far as the bill goes, basically that's, that would limit uh, abortion to, uh, their, their bill would limit it to 15 weeks, and there's a possibility that it could overturn Roe versus Wade completely. The Supreme Court didn't say anything about that today. That case is still uh, ongoing, and they're doing their thing behind the scenes. Then there's the Texas case. And the Texas case, they are, they're not ruling on whether the Texas law, which limits abortion to six weeks, uh, with a bunch of sort of fancy-dancy legal tactics, they're not saying whether that is legit yet either. They only had to rule on two things today. Uh, one, whether the challenge uh, to the, from the opponents of this law could go forward. Um, and you know, two, basically like this idea of whether the law will stay in place as the challenge goes on. So they're not ruling on the validity of the case. They're just saying, hey, does the law get to stay in place while they're trying to challenge it? And can it be challenged at all? Basically, what they said is, yes, it can be challenged uh, in this series of suits in most of the situations, uh, and the law will stay in place. So the result of that may very well be some babies may live. That's a terrible outcome for Democrats. They apparently don't want this to occur. I I don't I I will never in my life understand the passion for making sure babies are not born. It's just a really hard thing. I have a weird hang up on it would like the babies to be alive as much as possible. It's a weird thing. You know, everyone has their strange beliefs, and my belief is maybe babies should be born and they should live. It's shocking, I know. There's an interesting thing that has happened here over the past couple of years, and we've moved away from the Clinton-era tactic of acting as if we don't want abortions on demand, everywhere, at all times. There was a time, believe it or not, where Democrats would say things like safe, legal, and rare and expect us to believe them. Um, That was something that Clinton said all the time. Um, The New York Times had an article, uh, this is back from 2019, as we were kind of going through the primary process. Remember these days? November 2019, (laughs) Uh pre-pandemic those were the days we had no idea those were the days but those were the freaking days uh, on abortion rights 2020 democrats move past safe legal and rare as they're doing this uh, the um uh, new york times points out the ramifications are hard to predict the public is strongly supportive of roe versus wade but deeply divided on how accessible abortion should be beyond roe's basic protections it's a fascinating way A fascinating way to describe Roe versus Wade. Protections. What an amazing world we live in where words don't seem to mean things anymore. It's a bill, or it's a decision that led to many bills across the United States to make sure that babies aren't born, but we're gonna call that protections. Interesting. Remember that huge field back in 2020? There was like, uh, I think, one out of every two Democrats in America ran. Uh, there's 114 million candidates. And of those candidates, remember how big that field was? Remember how they couldn't even jam them all on one stage? Only Tulsi Gabbard, Joe Sestak, and Marianne Williamson. So you got Tulsi, uh, who, I mean, seemingly is a bit more conservative in some of these issues than uh, many people in the Democratic Party. In fact, she seemed to have found a home on a lot of conservative talk shows lately. Joe Sestak, which, did you know Joe Sestak was running? He didn't. And then Marianne Williamson, the lady who really likes, you know, the herbs and spices. Okay, you got those three. Those those are the only three that would say abortion should be safe, legal and rare. The rest of the 2020 candidates sidestepped or rejected the rare part. That's where you are in this country right now. Um, It's amazing that. You know, this is sort of the direction we're going in. I want to give you a quick, another quick reminder. This is the, uh, I guess, almost former governor of Virginia, Ralph Northam, talking on this talk show. And this was a controversial thing for Republicans. It was a controversial thing for independents. was not a controversial thing for Democrats. All they did was deny he said it. But this is what he said when talking about late-term abortion.
0: Um, the infant would be delivered, uh,
1: the infant would be kept comfortable, uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired, and then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mothers. Mmm, a discussion to see if this baby should live or not. I mean, sh- the baby will be resuscitated if, of course, that is the <laughs> opinion of the doctor and the mother. This is psychotic. I mean, this, these are the types of things we used to say uh, were horror stories. And now they're like main parts of the Democratic platform. The House has approved a major abortion rights bill um, as the Texas ruling. They were very upset about that. This is, uh, and they had passed a bill uh, saying that um, it, the bill would guarantee a, right, a woman's right to abortion nationwide, which goes even further than Roe versus Wade. And we're not even close to Roe versus Wade now. A lot of people think, oh, well, Roe versus Wade, that's a uh, that's the abortion thing. Well, really it's not, it's Casey. And Casey came in the 90s and went farther than Roe versus Wade. If we could go back to a period where Roe versus Wade, I mean, it's like the glory days for Republicans over the past uh, 50 years. Now, I mean, it was basically, like it would allow abortions in the first trimester and then restrictions could could begin after that. Uh, that's totally not the way uh, things roll these days. So where does this go let's just say for a second and i don't really i don't really like to take this position meant i can't prepare myself mentally for roe versus wade being overturned it's it would be one of the most important things that happened in our country in a very long time um, and would be the right step uh, for for america as as you probably agree uh, if you're watching this little show you probably would be too annoyed with me when we're talking abortion to stick around if you happen to be pro-choice so Look, I want this thing gone, and I think it should be gone. I don't think it's the end of the the game. Really, the end of the day is making sure this doesn't happen anymore. Uh, Again, I'll go back to my weird hang-up. Babies should be born. Uh, That's kind of where I am on this. Um, So what what does the left do in response to this? They are now in the midst of massive, massive uh, planning processes. I have this right here. This is the Future of Abortion Council. Now, I will say this. It's just bizarre to describe anything as the future of abortion. The abor- it's certainly not a future for the kids. I mean, I, the, the babies uh, don't get to have the future here. So, the, But abortion apparently does have a future. It's one of the most bizarre titles of a, of a council that I've ever heard of. The future of abortion. So what is the future of abortion? Uh, the California plans to be an abortion sanctuary if Roe is overturned. California clinics and their allies in the state legislature on Wednesday revealed a plan to make the state a sanctuary for those seeking reproductive care, including possibly paying for their travel, lodging and procedures from people from other states. The California Future of Abortion Council made up of more than 40 abortion providers and advocacy groups released a list of 45 recommendations for the state to consider if the high court overturns Roe v. Wade will be a sanctuary, Gavin Newsom said, adding that he's aware patients will likely travel to California from other states to seek abortions. We are looking at ways to support that inevitability and looking at ways to expand our protections. That word just keeps coming up. Protections, not the word for it. They're just saying the opposite of what these words mean at this point. Uh, So what do we have? Let me look at this report here for you. And you want to talk about this is the. The report is 45 different uh, different recommendations, and it's amazing. This stuff is planned out to an incredible level of detail because there is nothing apparently more important on the left than making sure that babies aren't born. I don't know why this is the biggest issue. I never will. Here we go. Let's go through some of this. Um, The state must increase investment in abortion funds, direct practical support and infrastructure to support patients seeking. Abortion care, so they got to be paying for some of those abortions. The state must ensure that the cost is not a barrier to care and reimbursement for abortion and abortion related services is adequate and timely. Once again, words don't mean things. The word care does not apply to this situation. You obviously don't care if this is what you're pushing for, however, that's how it is described here. The state must invest in, di- in a diverse California abortion provider workforce. I love this one. And increase training opportunities for BIPOC and others historically excluded from health care professions. So you want to make sure it's not just white people aborting your kids. It's got to be people from across the rainbow. Do we have enough trans people performing abortions? I don't know. I don't even know the percentage of them. Do trans people want to perform abortions? It doesn't matter. What about Asians? Do we have enough Asian? abortion providers? I don't know. There should be exactly the percentage of Asians that are in society that are performing abortions until we get to that level, and then we'll complain that it's too low. The bottom line is, if you're getting an abortion, you apparently don't care whether the doctor is qualified to do it. If you want to call them a doctor, let's call them a abortion provider. If the abortion provider, uh, if whether they're actually skilled at what terrible thing that they're doing no instead of that you want to make sure that you have enough Native Americans performing them one of their main priorities one of their main priorities is make sure that we have people of different colors sexual preferences genders uh, all that to perform the abortions for you this is uh, this is insanity California must reduce administrative and institutional barriers to abortion care because California is so good at cutting the red tape. I don't know if you know anything about California, but man, when they want to streamline a process, there's no better place to go than California. California must strengthen legal protections for abortion patients, providers, and supporting organizations, individuals. This one's interesting because what they're worried about is someone passing a law saying it is illegal to leave our state to get an abortion. Now, whether that type of thing would hold up in courts, Um, I'm highly skeptical of it, honestly. I mean, you know, usually one of the things we have as part of the United States of America is you can pretty much go to other states and do what you do. Um, Now, uh, there are some limits to that, I suppose, but like, you know, if gambling's illegal in Texas, they're not going to they're not going to prosecute me for flying to Las Vegas and gambling and then flying back. My guess is the same type of thing would happen with this, but they're looking to uh, increase protections and and inform laws and craft laws in a way that would protect uh, the mother protections, protect the mother in case, God forbid, uh, someone said, hey, we think you should think you should have that, that baby be alive and stuff that's a crazy request California must meaningfully address misinformation and disinformation and ensure access to a medically accurate culturally relevant and inclusive education about abortion and access to care is widely inequitably equitably equitably available so this is basically if you if you've liked CRT over the past year or two. You're going to love this. You're going to love the equitable abortion education your kids are getting in California. You're going to want to leave. I'm telling you, you're going to want to leave. And this is the seventh seventh recommendation. The state must support efforts to collect data, conduct research, and distribute reports to assess and inform abortion care and education needs in California. So they're going to They're going to collect data on you, I guess, if you're getting an abortion as well. Uh, This all comes from Gavin Newsom, uh, who, of course, was, uh, you know, I mean, you've seen him. You've seen him before uh, from he's been in some movies before. uh, Very American movies, you know, like, uh, well, you know, American Psycho, uh, where he fits right in. And you almost don't even have to Photoshop the images from the movie to get Gavin into it. The bottom line here is that Democrats have spent a lot of time on this. And we look at this, uh, you know, we've talked about the 15 week law. Almost every abortion happens before 15 weeks. Should it be limited to 15 weeks instead of 20 or 25 or 30 or whatever? Yes. Every little step you can take that might save a life is worth taking here. Uh, But, you know, you would limit this to 15 weeks. There are a few percentage points uh, of abortions that happen between 16 and 20 weeks. They'd likely just move it up a few weeks and get it done before 15. Otherwise, they're going to travel to states where they can have it up until birth. And so the percentage of abortions you're saving here is probably pretty low. Long term, we need to do more. And long term, we need to make sure that we convince people um, that this is wrong. You know, I mean, like if. I don't know, uh, well, you know, Wyoming decided tomorrow to, uh, to make slavery legal again, people would reject it because they've made up their mind and they thought it was a terrible idea. The same thing applies here. And I don't feel like it applies here because half the country still thinks this is a good idea and zero percent think slavery is a good idea. But you know what? Long term, this is where this ends up. It ends up in the dustbin of history as a horrific scandal and a black eye on our country. 60 plus million people are not on this planet today In this country, excuse me, on the planet, that number is incomprehensibly high in the billions. Uh, But just in this country, 60-plus million people are not on the, uh, the surface of this planet walking around in this country because of this rule, because of this law. And that's wrong. Obviously, that's wrong. Hopefully the Supreme Court gets it right, but, but we need to be aware. The, the battle does not end because of a Supreme Court ruling. It only ends when we can convince people this is a terrible idea and no one should ever want to do it. By now, you have probably seen about a thousand gift guides for the holiday season. Gifts for moms, gifts for dads, gifts for guys, gifts for your neighbors, cousins, dogs, former roommate... You could study all those gift guides and shop at you know ten different places, or you could start your shopping at Raycon and get a gift everyone will use. Raycon wireless earbuds are awesome. I have them myself. I use them all the time. Raycons give you ama- amazing audio quality wherever you go, uh, whether you use them to pump up, wind down, work, work out, whatever it is. They start at half the price of other premium audio brands. Half. And Raycons are available in five stylish covers, colors, so you can uh, you know, pick a perfect one for everyone on your list. With free shipping and returns, gifting is easier than ever. Right now, you get 15% off site-wide with the code HOLIDAY at buyraycon.com. B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N dot com slash stew. Use the code HOLIDAY. You'll get 15% off your entire Raycon order. Buyraycon.com slash stew. The code is HOLIDAY. Happy to welcome Bethany Mandel to the program. She's a contributing writer for Deseret News and editor of ricochet.com. Her newest piece is Want Families to Fly Again and the Mask Mandate. I'll tweet out a link to that shortly at Stu Does America. Bethany, how are you?
0: I'm good. Thanks. How are you?
1: Very well. Thanks for coming on. Uh, You say that uh, maybe families would decide to travel and help uh, the economy and all the hospitality industry that's been hurting so much. Maybe if we change the rules a little bit and let families fly without masks. Why?
0: Yeah, I mean, I I honestly don't even care about the economy. I don't care about any of the things. I would just like to get on a plane sometime in the next 10 years. Uh, and it's to be totally honest with you, it's, it's, it's very self-serving why I wrote this piece. It's because I have young children. I have a, I have a two year old and a four year old who don't, who can't wear masks for that amount of time. And if for the piece, I talked to a lot of different families, I talked to families who have young children, I spoke to families who have disabled children, and I spoke to families who have a disabled adults, and none of them are able to sort of comply with the mask mandates as is. And they're all afraid of becoming, you know, these viral people who get kicked off of flights because they're unable to, to, uh, to comply with the mask mandate.
1: Yeah, I thought that was an interesting part of your piece in that you kind of looked at it from the other side of this. I think a lot of people would say, particularly conservatives, don't want to wear them. They just don't like them. They think the the rules aren't effective. But you look at that other side from the parents' perspective, and we've all had these moments on airplanes before the mask mandate. Your kids are losing their mind. You are terrified as a parent. You're horrified. You're interrupting everyone. You don't know what's going to happen. Add in the mask mandate, you you might never be able to fly again.
0: No, and that's exactly it. I will never be able to fly again. My my first column that I ever wrote for the New York Post was, I don't know if you've ever seen, um, you know, obviously pre-COVID people would hand out goodie bags to all the people around them yeah, yeah. and say, um, you know, I'm so sorry I'm bringing my, and I, I wrote a column saying, don't do that. Don't apologize for your child's Mere existence. We all have to sort of become accustomed to the fact that children exist. And sometimes it's not easy, but this is part of living in our society. And now with the mask mandate, we've completely eliminated the noncompliant child from society. And I'm I, I'm starting to think that maybe that was the point. Maybe they wanted kids out of cities. They wanted kids off of planes and off of trains, because whenever my kids ask me, can we go to a museum? Can we go ride on the train to see daddy at work? I say no, because <laughs> your two-year-old sister and your four-year-old brother can't wear a mask. So no part of that can can we do. We can't go to the museum. We can't get on the train and we can't go into your dad's office because they can't comply.
1: Mm, It really is amazing. Um, As you've thought about this and when you're writing the column. Did you come up with any evidence that they actually want families to fly again? I mean, I, I keep coming back to this. They they give these restrictions, but this is the one area of society that, you know, the Biden administration really has a lot of control over. Uh, so they don't have to worry about getting things overthrown in courts when they do this. They seem to like the power.
0: Yeah, they seem to like the power and they don't seem to understand what it's like to have a two-year-old. Right now, at this moment, I am sitting here talking to an abject terror that my two-year-old is going to run onto the screen like that BBC dad. Like, oh, I totally honest, want that please, to happen. <laughs> I, I, please, God, don't. I was just begging my husband, like, whatever you have to do, just hold her back. And I've done that, you know, last last week, my seven-year-old, eight-year-old held her back during a hit. They are not rational creatures. And, I'm, and I wonder if anyone at the CDC or anyone in the Biden administration has ever met a two-year-old. And and I, you know, I will bring her to the White House, I will bring her to the CDC, I'll drive her to Atlanta, whatever, whatever I have to do. And she will strip naked in front of them the second she drops a little drop of water on her shirt, she'll just strip down absolutely naked and she will demonstrate. Hi, I'm two, and this is what two-year-old kids do. If you think that I can keep clothes on her, why do you, why, if I can't keep clothes on her, why do you think I can keep a mask on her for six hours from here to California?
1: It's just not possible. It's just not possible. Uh, they're at that age, they do what they do, and you do what you can to keep them alive. That's, that's all you can possibly even attempt to do. Um, one of the things I think is most frustrating about this particular problem, too, is that, you know, I don't know if you've seen any, but I have not really seen any evidence of, Uh, spread of COVID uh, among uh, travelers on airplanes. I have not seen anything that shows that masks seem to do anything uh, in this environment to help. And not to mention that kids don't seem to have any issues with this if they do get infected. All of those things pile up on a parent. And it just it's just so infuriating.
0: It's senseless. It's absolutely senseless. The HEPA filters on flights. No one has to be wearing masks. And you know, God, God gave us this incredible gift of with COVID. It's it's an aerosol virus. Mm. So it, it sort of depends on how strong your lungs are. And kids' lungs are not strong enough to really expel it in a in a you know efficient enough way to infect anybody. My my kids have been doing activities since the start of the pandemic. Um, no masks. No distancing indoors. I haven't gotten them an antibody test, but none of us have gotten COVID. So, and we're seeing that evidence across the country now that, you know, there are rational places, not where I live, but there are other (laughs) places in this this country where they are rational and they're not masking two-year-olds and three-year-olds. And honestly, they're not even masking high schoolers. And we're not seeing this explosive spread that we've been promised. And so I'm not sure why we like live in this imaginary world where like, we don't know what could happen. It's all a mystery. It's all emerging science. Like, it's not, though.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there's some of it that I can understand. You know, there's new things that happen. There's th- things we don't fully understand. This is one we clearly do understand and have a good understanding of at this point. Where 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 do you live, Bethany?
0: I live in Montgomery County, Maryland, right outside of Washington, D.C., okay. where they are this close to just saying masking forever. And it's funny because I tweeted today for the third time in December, our county council members who have control over the mask mandate the third council member has appeared in public at a massive event with no mask on. And yet the indoor mask mandate that they have instituted and they're talking about like basically making permanent, um, it applies to two-year-olds in preschools and daycares. And so they're masking toddlers and yet they're going to Hanukkah parties. They're going to uh events in Washington, D.C. where there is no mask mandate and they're going to uh, Bethesda Hilton, which is, you know, in this county, but they're they're eating breakfast. And so they don't have to wear a mask. And there's hundreds of people in the ballroom. And you know this is just in December, three different instances of the county council members just flouting their own directives.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's happening all over the world. We're seeing, you know, yeah. world leaders, prime ministers all over the world. This is happening. Yeah. And I think that the reason it's happening is because they know it doesn't do anything right. I mean, they're making was- a rational decision in these moments. They're just being hypocrites while doing it.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I, I cannot think of a, of a- more profound evil than telling a two-year-old who is not at risk that they have to mask to their emotional detriment, to their liter- their development emotionally, mm. uh, literary, everything. It's all to their detriment. Telling a two-year-old they have to mask while they are going to Bethesda Hilton and having breakfast with literally hundreds of people.
1: Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the most disturbing parts about all of this and that it's so it's so at odds as, as, as the way we're supposed to be thinking about parenthood, where we're putting all of the cost on children for none of the benefit. I mean, we've asked these kids <laughs> to abandon their lives for multiple years. I mean, you know, you have a two year old. They've been living basically entirely within pandemics. They've never lived outside of a pandemic uh, the 100%. entire life. It's, it's, it's so yeah. disturbing.
0: Yeah, I I, I had a meeting with a county council member begging them to reinstitute in-person library programming. And she told me, you know, we're just trying to be really slow and really deliberate and really careful. And I pulled my two-year-old into the meeting and I said, you can look her in the eye and tell her that she has never been to the library because you were trying to be deliberate. She was a baby when this started. She has zero memory of life before the pandemic. And neither does my four-year-old, by the way. My four-year-old doesn't remember life before masks. And my six-year-old has a difficult time remembering it as well. So like two years feels like a long time to us. And it absolutely is. And and it's difficult for adults. But for my two-year-old, it's her entire life. For my four-year-old, it's half of his life. For my six-year-old, it's a third of his life. Like this is this is their childhood, and it's being defined by absolute lunacy.
1: Yeah, it really is. Are you? Because one of them, almost more disturbing than all of the COVID precautions and, and and the craziness around it, is I feel like we've hit a point in this country where no amount of evidence, no amount of reason is uh, is is enough to be able to turn people's minds around on some of this stuff. Now there are exceptions. I mean, you know, there are people on the left who are very rational, and people in the media you see occasionally are rational on the stuff, but it seems like almost impossible. It's this cultural thing, you either are good or bad, and you're good if you wear masks, and you're bad if you don't.
0: Yeah, and that's the thing that I really don't get, because with all of these restrictions, who it's hurting most is kids who are disadvantaged. So I I just talk about my family as a microcosm. We, I'm very grateful, have the resources to send our children, our two and four year olds, so we homeschool our other kids, which by the way, that's a privilege in itself as well. But my, my preschoolers go to an in-home preschool where they are not masks and their teacher is not masked. It was a Herculean effort to find that. And they are privileged to have that. And as such, their development is going to not be stunted. Meanwhile, all these kids who are doing Head Start programs or doing state-sponsored daycare, they're not going to be in a good place for literacy, for emotional stability. And we're seeing it in the Surgeon General report with... T- a, a literal doubling of mental health crises among children and depression and anxiety.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the the most probably the most serious consequence of it. But I go back even to you know I think it was uh, Tipping Point, one of Malcolm Gladwell's books, where he talks about the difference between I think in, they categorize them in the book as rich kids and poor kids, basically. And the rich kids, the difference of why they did better over long periods of time is because when it came to summer vacation, their parents invested more in them and more had more direct sort of educational. Uh, they, didn't, they didn't let it all slide for the summer, and then they came back to school. They seemed to do about as well as each other during the normal school year. I mean, think about that difference. If it's if it's, if yep. it's that big over just a summer, when you take multiple years out, I mean, we went back to school here in Texas on August 13th of 2020. Back to school full time. There are tons of people I know who missed that entire year of schooling. It's going to make a. It's, they're going to have ramifications for a long time out of this. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm laughing because as I was waiting for you to call in, I was signing my kids up for summer camp and like, oh, that's going to be $10,000 this <laughs> summer. but. That's what we're doing mm. for that exact reason. I was sitting here on my phone doing the registration for summer camp. And you're exactly right. I mean, we're seeing the the really disturbing testing numbers out of Maryland, which was dead last in the country for going back to school in person. And we're seeing not only all of those testing numbers, but we're also seeing really severe behavioral issues in our schools. And so, I mean, like I can speak most sort of authoritarianism. Author- tentatively, that's what I'm looking for, Mm -hmm. about Montgomery County. We have seen the police called for uh, in-school violence more in this school year than we saw all of the last of the normal school year. And that was in the beginning of November. So just in September and October, there were more police calls for school violence, including a stabbing in the parking lot, which is something they've never had. Then, then they had all of 2019 to, or I guess 2018
1: to 2019. Mm, that's scary. Um, so, Bethany, yeah. when does uh, just when does the pandemic end? Are we there? Do we? What else needs to happen to say this is all over?
0: I mean, you live in a glory <laughs> in a glory place where the mm. pandemic is basically over for you. It is. But I mean, the answer, I honestly, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take. We have vaccines. We have boosters. We have uh, we have monoclonal antibodies. We have other treatments that are right down the pike. And yet today in New York, she announced a mask mandate across the entire state. In New York City, you have a vaccine mandate to go into any indoor place, including for children. It's, it's this really sort of mind numbing experience watching the pandemic sunset we are watching the end of the pandemic and that's reflected in the deaths it's reflected in the hospitalizations and yet we're pretending as though it's still march of 2020 and they're reinstituting mask mandates and re and instituting vaccine mandates when we have no evidence that that is necessary or beneficial in any way and they're like you know what just to be safe. We're going to do that.
1: Yeah. It's always just to be safe. Okay. Last one for you, Bethany. You are a benevolent dictator of the United States. You've just assumed this position. What do the COVID policies look like? Is, are there restrictions at all? I and mean, we know there's not going to be masks on flights, but other than that, what does it look like? <laughs>
0: um, no, there's no, there's none. No. I mean, I, the other thing is if I am someone who has uh, who has an underlying condition of whatever kind, I have it within my power to be more careful. I can wear a 95 if I want to wear a 95. Mm. No one's stopping anyone from wearing masks. No one is stopping anyone from social distancing. I I, I don't understand what we're doing and, and why we're pretending as those states like Texas and Florida and North Dakota don't exist.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so true. I'm so glad you brought up the N95 thing. It, it does feel like if they really wanted this to be over and allow people to take whatever risk they believe they should take, the N95 mask is a way for them to protect themselves. They don't have to depend on every yokel that they don't like, all those right-wingers right and red-staters to do things that they don't want to do. They could do it themselves.
0: Yes, 100 percent. And they should. And that's the thing that infuriates me also about all of these mask mandates. There's never been a nuanced conversation about the difference in masking. It's, it's just it's a talisman. It's a religious yeah. talisman and a political one as well. And that's basically it.
1: Very well put. Bethany Mandel. The new piece is what uh, want families to fly again and the mask mandate. You can find a link to it uh, on my Twitter at as America. Bethany, what's the best place for people to find you?
0: Um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Bethany Shondark. It's my middle name, B-E-T-H-A-N-Y-S-H-O-N-D-A-R-K.
1: Great. Thanks so much for coming on the program. We appreciate it. Thanks. So if you happen to be buying or selling a home in times like this, you know it can be really challenging. That's why you need a real estate agent who can come on and take charge. Uh, if you've ever sold a house before, you know that there are a lot of big decisions you need to make as you're putting it on the market. How much do you co- how much are you charging? Of course. But do you do all these extra repairs or not? Is it a waste of money? Should you do all the painting of those rooms that you never really like the color of? Or do you just leave it to the new person to do that? Um, those nuances are really, really important because it could cost you thousands of dollars. Realestateagentsitrust.com is a company our friend Glenn Beck started many years ago because he was having bad experiences with real estate agents and wanted to have a place where you could go, find a real estate agent that was screened, that had great results. Uh, he worked with all of the experts on this to put this together. Real estate agents Com was the result of that process. You can get more information at real estate Com. Go there now, check it out real Com. It was uh, February of 2020, and the, 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 the road ahead was bright. You know, everything looked wonderful. We launched a brand new show called Stew Does America, and then immediately the entire nation shut down. So it really has worked out well uh, for us. People say that we brought the pandemic uh, to America, and uh, I can't really disagree. We may be responsible for it. Uh, but, you know, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, I don't know. Do people like to, like my dumb perspective on politics and the issues of the day? Maybe a little bit. I mean, you guys seem to watch and I appreciate that. But I do know this. I have incredible job security. Why? Who knows if anyone wants to hear any of my opinions. But I do know that people seem to like me drinking one shot of beer per minute for an hour. I've got a whole career in alcoholism if I want it after this. Uh, coming up. A week from – oh, gosh, I'm starting to have (laughs) – I'm having those first moments of realizing I actually have to do this again. A week from tonight on uh, YouTube.com slash is the Power Hour. Yes, you can go to stewdoespowerhour.com. stewdoespowerhour.com. Get all the links there. You can get links to uh, the YouTube channel and all the social stuff, but mainly I want you to focus on RSVPing for this event. I think you'll want to do this. A lot of people have done it already. Basically you go there and you RSVP that you're gonna come and, and watch the event live. You don't have to do the Power Hour yourself at your home, but we do encourage you to do that in a safe environment. Why? Because we think it's funny. And we want you to send uh, ill-advised social media messages our way with pictures of you doing it. Um, but if you go there and you RSVP for the event, uh, you're going uh, to be in a group. And in this little, this cool, fancy group that we have going on, uh, we're going to be giving some stuff away. Uh, and we have some special surprises for you if you are in uh, that group. Some select people will be uh, uh, singled out for fun giveaways and stuff. So, by the way, we do have uh, the merch is up there as well. These are brand new. This is the first one I'm seeing right here. Yes, Stu Does America, Power Hour Survivor. Now, I will say you could order this right now and I encourage you to do so, studospowerhour.com. The only thing I will say is you might not want to put it on until you actually survive Friday. If you can get through the last shot, the 60th shot of an hour, it doesn't sound like much. A shot of beer, that should be easy. But you get through that 60th shot of beer and then all of a sudden um, you can put this shirt on with pride. Very possibly, um, as a police officer pulls you out of your house because you've done something uh, bizarre. Uh, But hey, it's a fun event. And the reason why we do it is mainly because the world has pretty much sucked since the day this show started. I mean, that is. (laughs) This show went into effect, and the world began to suck to unimaginable degrees. So this is a way for us to sort of forget those times for an hour or so, uh, and also attempt to talk politics and talk issues while going through this process. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't watched one of these before, it gets a little insane, but it's a lot of fun. Joining us for the Power Hour is going to be Chad Prather from, of course, the Chad Prather Show, Uh, Jason Buttrell from uh, the Glenn Beck program, Uh, half-Asian lawyer Bill Richmond from Stephen Crowder, and he was on one of the previous Power Hours as well. We've got this time uh, Sarah Gonzalez, of course, from the News and White Matters, and my wife, Lisa Page, who goes on Chad Prather's show uh, often and also uh, is there to uh, hopefully not tell ridiculous stories of me throughout the entire evening it's going to be a lot of fun don't miss it it's a week from tonight go to stewdoespowerhour.com stewdoespowerhour.com get rsvp'd now and maybe win some stuff and we'll see you on friday This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. I mean, what a great sell that is. It's something that's healthy and tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. These are built bars. They've got real chocolate on the outside. They're low in calories, sugar, and net carbs and fat. And of course, they're high in protein. You get the best of both worlds delicious and healthy. They got, we just got a, a box of these built puffs that are out there. They're sort of like a marshmallow consistency on these. They have like a lemon one, they have ruby chocolate. Uh, they have white chocolate. Um, I mean, they have so many different flavors. You can get the mixed box. You can try everything. The holidays can be a stressful time, but Built Bars are going to help you get through the holidays, have a good snack here and there so you're not uh, blowing your diet every single day. Built Bars, healthy and delicious. Go to Bilt.com and use the promo code STEW15. You get 15% off your order. Right now, use the promo code STEW15. Get 15% off at built.com It's built.com the code STEW15. So the Biden presidency is going pretty well so far. Uh, So far, so good. You know, 41 percent approval rating from a new CNBC poll. Uh, That's a 48 percent, I believe it is, uh, disapproval. Uh, He's uh, now underwater on COVID, um, underwater on the economy. Things are not going well. This is not how it was supposed to go. There was a world where you'd think, OK, Biden comes into office. We're naturally on the upswing from the worst of the pandemic. Uh, all he has to do is basically sit back, be calm, not be Donald Trump, because a lot of people don't like Trump's attitude. And he probably has a 60 percent approval rating, right? Uh, he's totally incapable of that, in case you were wondering. That, that world can't exist because Joe Biden is so terrible. Uh, this has been embarrassing on the economy approval rating with a 56% disapproval rating. That is hard to do. Like, it's just hard to be that bad, especially in a period where things are supposed to be bouncing back. It really is incredible. Inflation hit a 39-year high in November, 39-year high, 6.8% from uh, the same, uh, the the pace from the same uh, month a year ago, Uh, fastest pace since 1982, sixth straight month, which inflation has topped 5%. Really, really, really uh, bad is is how I would describe uh, the state of this presidency and the way things are going right now. Now, it's funny because Janet Yellen came out the other day and said, hey, by the way, you know that you know, we have been saying transitory a lot when it comes to this inflation. We should stop saying that. This isn't me saying it. It's not Glenn Beck saying it. It's not somebody on the blaze saying it. It's Janet Yellen saying yeah, transitory is not the right word here. This is going to be around for a while, and that is going to affect people in all sorts of negative ways. When you look at the pace of inflation versus the pace of wages going up, yeah, wages are going up a little bit. I mean, that's good, I guess, but not when you compare it to how far prices are going up. People are getting wiped out by this, and this could get a lot uglier. Um, you know, I don't know. We're going to see how this goes in the, last, in the next year, but I don't know that there's, even in a normal economic time, that there's a path for the democrats to continue holding the house and the senate and the presidency at the same time first of all thank god for that because this is not going well at least if the republicans can grab the house or the senate or both they can stop a lot of the terrible things that joe biden wants to do to us but you know people will say like well you know joe biden is sure he's doing a terrible job but what's he doing for the rest of the world well You might say, how how can he be involved in the rest of the world? I mean, he can only screw up our economy, right? No, no. Afghanistan's economy is now collapsing before our eyes. Who would have thought the Taliban were not capable of operating a modern economy? I am, for one, stunned. Now, it is difficult, uh, of course, to run a new country and there's all sorts of new challenges, but who would have seen a complete catastrophic failure coming within a year? Oh, all of you? Oh, good, because that's basically what's happening now in Afghanistan. And if you think it's bad for the people who lived there and had to deal with Afghanistan before, Imagine what it's going to be like now. Thank God we got most of the people out of there. There's still, though, thousands of people who are permanent U.S. residents still stuck there. It's not just one or two. It's a lot of them. And it's completely wrong. I know the efforts of the Nazarene Fund, among other organizations, are still doing their best to get people out. That's still going on because of the incredible failures of Joe Biden. And now he's not only failed the Americans who are living in Afghanistan, he's failed the people who are normal, everyday residents, everyday people just trying to get through a day in the life of an Afghani. That's all go- going to crap too, thanks to Joe Biden's horrible leadership. Hopefully we can uh, have some way of getting, putting up an obstacle because right now they, they have a- they've been able to spend us into oblivion in the middle of an inflation rise, as the economy goes to crap, as COVID is, is not, um, and he hasn't ended the virus as he promised. We're going in the wrong direction and we're going there fast. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate and review five stars is the appropriate number of stars for this show. In case you didn't know that this one comes in. Stu, don't be stupid. Uh, The anti-work movement is something I talked about last week. Stu, knock that crap off. You coming to work every day last year got me through every day last year. <laughs> Love your show, buddy. I, you know, that was uh, that was a crazy time, and I'm glad uh, somebody at least was out there uh, checking out the show and getting through your days. I know it got me through a lot of days coming in here and being able to talk to you, and I do appreciate that. Uh, remember to, uh, when you re- uh, rate and review the show, it not only helps this program, but it hurts others, and that's the most important thing. By the way, studosmerch.com is the place to go. Use the code STU20 and save 20% off. Everything for Christmas, Santifa Claus. You got the power hour stuff. Everything's up there. Check it out now. studosmerch.com.